previously on Box Cutters. And also, come on, Edgar Allan Poe. You made murder, out with him. Murder, yeah, I made out with him one time. I dug up his body. <laughs> um, murder in the Rue Morgue. Orangutan is a murderer. You don't get a lot of monkeys as murderers. Well, uh, simians, I should say. Yeah, so you don't get enough monkeys You don't get enough murderers. monkeys as murderers these days. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 334. This is the TV of our affliction. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Glenn Peters. Hello, Gladys. To my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. We've got a, uh, a big show full of stuff today. We're, we're going to review the Kevin Bacon show, controversial show, the following. It's controversial. Yeah, it's pretty controversial. Mm. Uh, we've got a new segment, controversial new segment, Devil's Advocado. Ooh, full yeah. of controversy. <laughs> Uh, Brenna Connie Glazebrook is here. She's she's going to do uh, she's going to do a, a little talk about the UK show Big Reunion. Thanks. Hi, 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 Brenna. You're also going to do Cherry on Top. Yeah, I am. You've mm-hmm. finally given me my 15 minutes of fame. Oh god. So we're we're getting into an interesting time in in Australian television, which is the Easter lull, which is uh, two weeks of non ratings. Well, yeah, traditionally two weeks of non ratings, but. Now we know that ratings and non-ratings makes absolutely no difference because with Oztam they just record ratings all the time. So it's more like just lazy programming if you or something. The chicken. So that would explain something that I, I've noticed is um, I'm a football fan. The AFL did a split round and all the other, um, I think the other codes sort of played around with their scheduling around the non-rating season. Oh. See, I've never understood the AFL split round thing. Well, the thing was that they didn't want rugby and soccer in the news for a whole weekend by itself, so they would go for the split round. But the non-rating season thing might even contribute to it as well. Right. So TV still makes the world go around, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's much, much like newspapers. It's not dead. No. La, 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 la. We are, of course, going to kick things off with the Box Cutters news. Of course, being a Glenn Peters week, we discuss sport in the news. Sport, sport, sport. He's, sport. Uh, he, he loves the sport. He loves the sport. And yeah. you know, there's there's a sport that I love that I don't know if I've mentioned. I'm sure I have. Cricket, Grand Prix racing, Formula One, Grand Prix racing. I love it. The Grand Prix, the Grand Prix. I love it so much that I've gone to the Grand Prix in Melbourne for the past six years. Did you go this year? Yes. And just showed me the Grand Prix. Uh, not his Grand Prix, the Grand Prix, <laughs> Melbourne's Grand Prix. I, I Did went, you go along? I went, went along with Josh for one day, um, and it was wonderful. Yeah, you, you, you came on the on the Saturday, and you, uh, you got to get rained on. Got rained on, and which convinced me to watch it on television the following Sunday, the whole race. And I noticed something. They played it on Channel 10. And they had it on 1HD in HD. Mm-hmm. So, everybody, let's mark that down in your diaries. Because that is proof that you can run a sport on your main channel in your 576D or whatever it is called. Yeah. And then run it on the other channel. So, there is no legislating sort of thing to stop you from doing it. It's there. It is possible. It can be done. But they can't run it only on 1HD 
and not have it on their standard definition channel. That's right. But the, what I'm getting at is that the AFL finals, who are... Who? <laughs> They're not people. <laughs> the AFL finals are all shot in very lush Blu-ray quality television. Yes, yes. You, you've, you've, see, you've seen that at a pub, you told yes. me. So we watched that, though, on television in a very low definition. Now, by now, a lot of us have televisions that are over 40 inch and the football is really found wanting in the low definition so there's been a lot of excuses in the past over this and we've spoken about it a lot we spoke about it last last afl final season last afl finals and just a reminder to everybody it's possible it can be done right so let that be a lesson to you brett one other thing i'd like to add for the the Grand Prix on television is that there is one problem with the way it's commentated and spoken about is the commentators speak about this sport to a closed audience. Mm -hmm. So the problem is that they will always talk about Lewis Hamilton or they will talk about um, Mark Webber, but they'll never say Lewis Hamilton in the silver car. This is, this is something that Channel 9 commentators, when we were in high school, so... Uh, in in the late 80s and early 90s, Channel 9 cricket commentators were excellent at uh, at explaining the sport as well as commentating on it so that you could actually learn a little bit about it and be, and become some, something of, a, of your aficionado. They didn't have to do so much cross-promotion back in those days. They had a lot more time to play with. Do you, do you think it's the, the, the cross-promotion and not just... Uh, bad, bad direction. Look, I think it's bad storytelling because if you watch a NASCAR race, um, all the cars are so alike, but they have little icons above each car to show which car is which. These are simple things that can be done. One, one of the problems with Formula One, and this is quickly turning into a Formula One podcast, which I don't, don't want to do, but they say in the program for, for the race, they say what colour helmet each driver is going to wear. But then the drivers have like four or five different helmets to choose from based on the conditions, and they're all different colours, so you can't tell anyway. Well, that's a bit stupid. Yeah, yeah, that is that is a, a, a little bit stupid. Uh, you, you know what else is a little bit stupid? How they used to do really loud ads just to grab your attention yep. when you were lulled into a sense of uh, false security with, with a TV show. Josh, they weren't any louder. They were just more compressed. Well, there was a Mumbrella um, article this week speaking to some sound engineers who are just settling in quite well with the um, new sound restrictions. But the interesting part of the story was that in the comments, and I never read the comments, but I have a vested interest in this story, that comment five, there was a sound guy who said, every one of my clients I've spoken to in the last three months has been furious with me for not having the sound louder than the other ads. So the clients are furious, but has it translated to uh, to less sales for those clients? No. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's actually made no difference except that the bosses want to show that they are louder than their Well, that's right. I like to say that this is a piece of regulation that has really worked. And I'm really happy that something like this has worked. No one's going to be complaining about it because we just notice that it's not shit anymore. Yeah. So now all we have to do is worry about the quality of the ads. 
That's right. And that is the Box Cutters News. It must be very hard for you to be surrounded by the stench of death again. Joe's playing with us. It's like a game to him. I'm Agent Deborah Parker. I'm new to the party. You need to give me a gun. When was the last time you had a drink? They're all in on this. Emma Hill, Jake Wells, and Paul Torres. Cults. My specialty. Does Emma know what a liar you are? Don't try to turn Jacob against me. Ah, bitch! There any news on Joey? We are going to find him. Carol asked to see her. Are you sure you want to do this? Please, Joe. Where is he? Must feel so betrayed. Did your body quiver to his every touch? You gotta get her out of there. Yes, it did. The following is a show created by Kevin Williamson, who uh, created the excellent Scream film series, as well as the excellent first six episodes of Dawson's Creek, as uh, well as some not very good things in the years in between. He was a great writer, and I think he uh, was maybe worked a little bit too hard after some very quick success early on. Has, uh, has come up with a show called The Following, which has a fantastic premise. You've got a cult who worship murder, they use Edgar Allan Poe as uh, as a, a long ago prophet, and their current prophet on Earth is a man who has been convicted of uh, of serial killing. Now he was put away by an FBI agent played by Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon, which makes anyone killed by this cult one degree away from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Kevin Bacon is an ex-FBI agent who uh, has been out of the FBI ever since putting this guy behind bars. Uh, this this guy manages to escape from prison in the first episode. Kevin Bacon is brought back into the case and the killings start again. Turns out that from prison, this guy has been building a cult. And uh, and so every week there's a gruesome killing, and every week Kevin Bacon has to try to uh, get one step closer to getting the guy back into jail, uh, and then uh, it's it is a one step ahead of you storytelling device where uh, the good guy is always one step behind the bad guy and is just trying to catch up, which might sound a little bit like the plot of every twenty four series where the bad guys were always one step ahead. This, to me, feels like... Uh, almost like a murder porn 24. Uh, of course, with Die Hard, because you've got some sort of, you know, evil genius. Uh, it's funny when you have a, a, a very glossy sort of middle-of-the-road-looking show. Everyone's got fantastic teeth in this show. <laughs> Look at the teeth. It's incredible. The teeth are just... Wow, to die for. Actually, that's some of the reason why some of the girls die in this, because their teeth are just fantastic. <laughs> but then you'll have, like, a song by um, one of those sort of emo bands from four years ago in the background to give it that sort of street cred. Yes. yes. There was a Massive Attack kind of... Oh, that was a Sepultura doing Massive Attack. Yeah. Oh, was that Sepultura yeah, doing Massive yeah. Attack? And that sounded really good. With bands, other bands with names like Dum Dum Club or I don't know. I, I saw a site and someone's like kept a tally of which awesome emo bands are on. Um, emo's finished, guys. <laughs> it wasn't a good idea. Not going to save the show. A murder porn show like this um, where women get killed for being women. 
is what happens. So, so I'm not I'm not mistaken here. That is what happens in the following: women get killed just for being women. Yes, and are, are we supposed to side with Kevin Bacon or are we supposed to side with the cultists? That's where it's a bit confusing because some cultists go in somewhere else, and we're try the show's trying to make us feel good for some characters inside the cult. So there's some sort of power play in the in the cult. Now, how many episodes have you guys watched? Eight, two. But what I'm saying here is, I don't really want to know about those characters who are killing people. Like that. To me, they're fucking monsters. Yep, and that's that's what I can't get past in this in this series. I, I, I haven't come across any any part where I, it feels like I'm supposed to feel for the cultists. H- having watched eight episodes, I don't think the show is worth watching. I think the first three three episodes are pretty good, but they are Kevin Williamson episodes, uh, and then it just kind of goes a little bit nuts after that, and the. Uh, expressions of empathy for the cultists increase. We learn a lot more about the cult. The show has uh, has a really annoying, uh, a, a really annoying uh, kind of get out of jail card for storytelling, which is anybody could be working with the cult. Mm-hmm. So you could have invested in someone for five episodes. And then it turns out that they are actually part of the cult. That was that was careless. Yeah, oh, careless. <laughs> this show could be called Careless. Can I just stop for a second? <laughs> There's someone who in this show who is in a lot of danger, and what they do is they put 43 FBI agents around her, and in her same house that you know the guy knows where it is. Um, any other cop would have sent her off to a caravan in in Coffs Harbour and hit her. Yeah, that's that's one of the most infuriating things. Although you can't, so you can't much, just hit, you can't just hit victims. There is there is so much incompetence uh, amongst the 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 agencies uh, that are supposedly why why the hell wouldn't you get these people out of their homes where he knows where they've got blueprints of of the floor plans of the houses they're in? <laughs> Jesus, that's the first thing you would do, surely. Well, what, one of but, the things. But if you the, do that, then you don't have any conflict, and you wouldn't have a show. Well, I think that's that's part of it as well. There are no surprises in this show. It, uh, it just, it just is. It just kind of exists. And as long as Kevin Bacon's character keeps running after the the killers and just firing guns just randomly. He's not even a member of the FBI that anymore. That is the weird thing. They've given him a gun back. They, they, they haven't, haven't... Like, everybody hates him. He's, he's an alcoholic. Uh, luckily, he doesn't go to AA. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to put up with that shit. <laughs> oh, they seem to have forgotten about his alcoholism <laughs> as well. No, no, no. Everybody just accepts it. Like, like the, the chick that's uh, running the, the operation is, all right, all right, vodka breath. It's about time you went back to that motel and got I, some sleep. I'm saying that by episode eight, They've forgotten all about his drinking. Oh, really? He's not an alcoholic any anymore, but he has a heart condition. This this seems very heavily influenced by Manhunter, the Michael Mann film of mm-hmm. the eighties, but a really really bad version. Yeah, Brett, did you did you enjoy the following? I, I did. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I did. Like, like it was it was careless. There was there was just so much incompetence. But besides that, it, it it's probably a good ironing show. Um, <laughs> Kevin Bacon would have been a better villain. This show might have actually kicked ass. Yeah, no, 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 no. Kevin Bacon does a really good villain. 
Kevin Bacon creepy. Does, yeah. Yeah, he does great. You know, one of his best creepy roles was as himself in uh, Will and Grace. Did you see that? that. Uh, when he plays himself in Will and Grace, he's just superb. Uh, he does creepy really well. He doesn't do action star very well. And he doesn't do I'm running with a pacemaker very well either. It is so Jack Bauer what he's doing Mm. uh to the point where he needed to get information out of somebody had shot that person in the leg earlier and then sticks his thumb in the wound while the paramedics are waiting to take him into (laughs) the the paramedics uh, just stand aside the paramedics just stand aside (laughs) he should be arrested for what he's for what he's doing the more i think about it i don't know why i went through eight episodes i kept waiting for it to get good have you seen the ninth (laughs) <laughs> but but the thing is, are we through with the serial killer as an idea? Clearly not, because every other every other procedural drama in the states is all about serial. There's been freaking serial killers in Summer Bay. It like being in AA is lazy screenwriting. So here's the, here's the thing with serial killers in Summer Bay: you can do that for a six week arc, right? That's easy. Yep. Can you do it for a six series TV show? Much like Prison Break, this is a one-season idea. How are they going to? How are they going to continue it? What is the longevity concept for this show? Look, I think we've all agreed there are ways to do this, and this isn't. This is the boring way to do it. Yep. So that's the following. If you still want to watch it, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be on TV here at at some point. But uh, look, I think you could just not bother. Hey, Brett, what is green, red, has horns, and is squishy inside? What? Devil's Advocado! Ah! Devil's Advocado. Now, Glenn has uh, requested that we all come in to answer answer this Devil's Advocado question. So, Mm -hmm. Brenna Connor, she's uh, she's let out of her uh, mid-show cage. (laughs) Okay. So, Mm. the first, and maybe only, devil's avocado (laughs) is, does all its focus on things like iPhones, e-books, digital startups, social media, etc., make girls just another period drama? Ooh. Well, let's uh, let's start with our very own 20-something female. (laughs) Brett Cropley, what are you... uh, (laughs) Hey, see what I did there? Yeah. Brenna. Brenna Courtney Glazebrook. Do, do you think it's a, it's a period drama? Um, no. I mean, it's, that question has never been asked, to be honest, because I guess, yeah, when people look at this series in some kind of magical box in 30 years' time when all our technology is defunct and they have to get some holographic image of what girls was, I, they will be like, wow, look at those really old school computers and smartphones and stuff they were using. But I feel like it's just become so um, commonplace to have an Apple product or it, some form of technology in television and movies that it's actually become second nature. Like I know that a lot of it has to do with product placement and getting money from sponsors to be like, have this Mountain Dew can in the background and we'll pan over it. But I think because it's just because technology's become such a part of everyday life for me, it doesn't. It will be a um, a snapshot into if people come back in fifty years time and and see footage of it. I think it'll be a fairly good representation of 
how we interacted in social media and 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 the products that we used at that time. Brett Cropley. I, I don't think you understand the, the term. Um, I think that uh, if today we made war games with uh, an 11-inch floppy disk and uh, big racks of, of computers in, a, in a, uh, an installation, that would be almost coming up to a period drama. Um, if it was 2779 and we were making girls, yeah. Uh, but no, it's just a snapshot of today. I think it is a period drama, but not because of the inclusion of technology. Because of the girls, because they have periods. Oh, I was hoping Brett. we'd get through that without <laughs> that one. Brett, why would you? Why? That's not. I think it's a. I, I think it's a period drama because uh, at no point up until now could a story like Girls actually be told. 40, 40 or 50 years after the sexual revolution uh, where uh, the the rights of women are slowly, slowly, slowly being uh, brought up to, to be equal. I think these things take a long time and the storytelling that we see in girls, which are the, the stories of young women, can only be told now and can only be told realistically now. If, if you compare girls to puberty blues, the the things that we're seeing in, in girls are so much more uh, nuanced. The, the, the story of puberty blues is, uh, is, you know, although ahead of its time then, was only like a couple of years ahead of its time it was uh it was the basic things that we know about uh about young girls or young women sorry uh whereas girls are uh, the stories in girls are so much more nuanced about their emotional states and about the pressures on them and about the ways that they try to exist in the world that it can only be told now. And I think the inclusion of technology is a byproduct of that. But you couldn't tell this story in a 1979 setting. You couldn't tell this story in uh, a 1999 setting. I think it has to be told in 2012, 2013. In 10 years' time, uh, setting the story of girls in 10 years' time would not be anywhere near as interesting because people will have been having these conversations for 10 years. It's new now. It's new now. Um, so I, I liked Brenner's time capsule idea because when I discussed this Devil's Advocate, came up with a thing, it's a time capsule drama, but you know, I, I, I'm more interested in thinking about it as a period drama because it starts making us compare times and Downton Abbey and that sort mm. of thing. Um, what do you think of the technology thing? I, I feel like it is making a statement about new ways we work. I think it's. I, I think it's just being realistically uh, representative. Yep. I, I don't think it's necessarily making a statement. It doesn't feel to me like it's making Cause, a statement. Because sometimes maybe they're just badly written. Sorry, everybody. I, there's parts of girls that I don't like. Um, the double double iPad DJ scene. Oh, yep. 
But that's that's the thing. No, that's no, 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 no. Yeah. No, that wasn't cool. Yeah, but Brett's, Brett's a DJ. But it, is a, it is a thing. No, 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 Brett DJs off his phone. No, no. That was a really cringeful scene. Brett DJs off his phone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Um, it's, it's it's just it's what young people do these days, uh, and there was another bit. and Brett <laughs> and, and and the new office, you know the you know, I, the new type of office. You know, it's make, it's making little statements, but sometimes when I'm watching these parts, I'm just like punching the but wall because it, it feels office, like it, the startup the startup office was so much more realistic than that bullshit. Uh, Slugline office in House of Cards. <laughs> House of Cards with just with beanbags, but oh, bad work and conditions. people and people working and people working like their laptop on a ping pong table. Yeah, look, 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 oh, no, it does that better. Yeah. Also, it, and it also talks about the casualization of the workforce and the contracting of the workforce, which is a new thing that's happening right now, mm-hmm. and the way that you can get sacked straight away, and also that if something goes bad with your ebook deal. Um, that cool guy with the cool office and oh, stuff yeah. says, well, you can't get it there. Not, um, I- I'll call a psych guy to help you through or I'll call an editor, your 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 editor. Well, she doesn't have an editor. Uh, I'll call your editor to help things out. No, he goes, oh, man, I'm going to just have to sue you, man. I'm going to have to sue you. You're such a disappointment. These are these are all themes of our times. Yeah, I, I, I think they're... Uh they're kind of independent of the technology. I still think the technology is a is is a byproduct. I remember reading an article uh, several years ago now about what the uh, biggest uh, technological advance or the, or the thing that has changed uh, film storytelling most in the last thirty years is, and it's the the advent of the mobile phone because it, it's changed the way that we can actually build tension. Uh, because there is that thing of, of, well, just call him and say that you can't come. And now uh, if, if if there's the idea of, well, we need to build that tension and we kind of need an out for there not being a mobile phone, there needs to be a shot five minutes earlier of the phone dying out of battery or something like that. Mm. I liked Devil's Advocado. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think if, if you want to bring, bring another one back. I will. John Laws is a tremendous lover. Some say the best there's ever been. And now we know his secret. He uses a dab of Valvoline. Yes, a little on the nadsack, a splash upon the stalk. The man with the velvet tonsils leaves you unable to walk. So spectacular is his entry, he's been known to nudge your spleen. And all because he uses a little dab of Valvoline. Know what I mean? You know what I mean. Craig McLaughlin, box cutters. Say no more. Brenna Courtney Glazebrook, your first and last review for Box Cutters. <laughs> you were just waiting until I said, I don't think I can do this anymore. And you were like, oh, oh I'll give you the, what, what, what if we, uh, I'll give you the sweet, a taste of the sweet life and yeah, then I'll and then, uh, take it away from you five minutes later. What if we make later. it Brenna Yoink. Courtney Glazebrook and Box Cutters? <laughs> that sounds good. Sounds good. Today, I, um, I start, I'll start this story by by giving myself a big pat on the back for thinking that I wrote something hilarious on Facebook. Basically, I was thinking about the band five today and you know how five spelt their name with an actual the number five and then ive mm-hmm. which Genius. which i would i would think that is sive one would think but no it's actually pronounced five and um and i wrote a status update that said i wonder what the guys from five are doing with their life and i spelt the l as a seven uh. and i was like god i'm clever that's and then, good. and then, obviously, the likes started pouring in. Um, and <laughs> how many did you get? How many did you get? Um, Twelve. Um, that's good. That's good. good. Yeah, yeah, double figures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then, people actually got really 
into it and they were like, this is what's happening. And, and one of my friends put a link to this show that was aired in the UK and it's now up on YouTube called The Big Reunion which is um, essentially a reality television show uh, where they brought back five, actually six uh, pop star bands. They've got five, five, five. Uh, 911, who I'm not terribly familiar with, Atomic Kitten, uh, Bewitched, who I'm very familiar with. I'm wearing my denim jacket today and that was, a homage. That was, that was B Star Witched. B Star, yeah. B Star Witched. Uh, Honeys, spelt with a Z, so they were ahead of their time. Oh, that's Zunnies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Liberty X, and then very... Uh, late into the program, they actually got Blue along, which is a four-piece boy band. Um, so there's this show that documents all the, the fallout that they had. and It's been amazing because I grew up, you know, I think the most familiar time for me would be the 90s. I was an 84 baby, but I don't necessarily remember much for the 80s. But the 90s are all way too familiar for me, and I kind of cringe whenever I think about the 90s. Me too. And... <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm laughing because in agreeance. Um, and I just, you know, I was, I bought into the boy band, girl band thing so badly. Like I have, I have the CD singles. I had the, all the CDs. I, I was in love with Rich from Five. I was in love with Taylor Hansen and that kind of thing. So as a young girl, I just saw them having these amazing lives, being these famous pop stars and, you know, being on top of the pops and being in smash hits and collecting their posters. And it's this series is actually amazing to see it showed you everything that you didn't get to see in your little teen magazines which were just like this is rich and he's the sweetheart and this is jay and he's the hard guy like it's actually documenting the their drug abuse and their having fuck fests you might have to bleep me john in the edit and no, like he's just, not going to oh, he's not going to okay he's gonna leave all that in and they were just beating each other up and they were being dropped from their labels and they were have, being addicted to diet pills this is like not just five this is a whole bunch of pop stars so i personally found it fascinating that might just be because i a was massively into pop when i was younger and b because the 90s are a really big time for me, as a young girl, maturing sexually and being in love with boys that, you know, these producers went, we're going to market you in a certain way and women are going to go crazy for you. And I feel bad for all the girls who are massively into One Direction now because I've been there. It's like getting off a drug. It's like going, I know, sister, like I've been there before. They market it. They all have these identities. And so there's one for each of the girls in the group. And you just fall for it hook, line and sinker. So it was really amazing to see that all of these people who I was just like idolizing them in a sense, you know, they're all thin and they're all beautiful and they're all successful. And then you see the reality of them and it was just this kind of huge like, oh, yeah, right. You know, take one for the human beings. Like these, even though these guys were all manufactured and processed and probably had more money than I'd ever dream of having, they all were just as fucked up as, as a normal human being behind the scenes. So, yeah, it was kind of voyeuristically interesting because you got to see, you, you know, they kind of came down to your level. But anyway, they're all getting together to do a reunion. Oh, so they've done the reunion show. And I just, I can't help but think what a, what a waste of money. Like it's one thing to do. You know, like um, S Club 7 came out a couple of months ago to Australia, they all come to Australia because they know that they get the nostalgia dollar from Australians and they're horrendous. They're and the Jenny Craig ad. Yeah, it was just a very interesting thing to watch. It's on YouTube. It's called The Big Reunion and um, it's definitely worth a look if you were a girl growing up in the 90s or if you were a boy who were massively into pop as well. 
I'm neither of those things, but I might look anyway. <laughs> well, we'll have a link on the Box Cutters blog. Sounds fascinating. Uh, those girls and boys in those bands worked their asses off because in the 90s, I was in the record companies um, whipping them. It, that's actually a very good point, you actually. Were. You have no idea how much they go through because you just think that they're, they do their jobs and they go and do interviews and they live the high life and they do photo shoots, but they're actually all working incredibly hard. So it actually gave me a new level of respect. We'll, po- we'll post bands. an article on the website about how hard they work. I've, I know one. They they are heroes, the people in those bands. So I have nothing yeah. but admiration for no them. No wonder they all had breakdowns. But I also learnt that Rich has been living in Sydney since 2001 and that broke my heart because I lived there for four months and I thought oh, and you could have, that could have been the time when we found each other. We could have found each other and then... Everybody could have been getting down tonight. Mm. Well, me. I think Rich is a listener, so... <laughs> If you're out there, my number is Brent, Brent has only got uh, Brent's only got another month in this country. I need country. another celebrity to make out with quick. Quickly! <laughs> got her postman. I have a letter. Did you read it? You're a godsend. Savior. No, I'm, I'm just the postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. David Sidwell writes. Hi, Josh. Hope all is okay with you. Have you covered Oz people using Roku boxes, etc., and services link unblock.us with Hulu Plus and Netflix? Not so much the technology, but the legality. Fascinating area. Even more so is now the AFL will live stream games to overseas customers for around about $120 per year. IPTV, see where I'm going? So, Glenn Peters. Hello. Hi. With, uh, you know, as, as we've, we've spoken a, a, a little bit about uh, my uh, MLB.com subscriptions. Yes. And, uh, and how it's one of the great things about not living in the US is that I can see every single Major League Baseball game because it's not locked down to, uh, to, to my area, which it is in, in the US. In the US, mm. if you're in New York while New York is playing in New York and you want to see a Yankees game, you will not be able to see it on MLB.com. You will have to watch the television coverage of it. That's kind with the of, that's, ads and everything. That is their commercial. That, that is their commercial arrangement. Uh, so the AFL clearly are doing a similar thing with uh, AFL. You, I believe, are a little bit of an AFL fan. Yes. Uh, is this the sort of thing that you would try to uh, to use? Uh, unblock us or holler or one of those things that uh, that we've been speaking about recently to see AFL games that uh, that were locked down in our area of the world. Okay, so I had a conversation with an expert about this who today about the legalities of this. Mm-hmm. And everything that we do to unblock content is illegal. Is illegal. Yes. And there is no talking around it. It is illegal because we are making an effort to break a copyright law. Correct. There is no way. Absolutely no way. So we can't argue this. So all the things that we do is illegal. Yep. Um, so we're stealing mm-hmm. because it's illegal. Does it make it right? Does it make it right? Yeah. To steal to steal. Yeah. No, it's 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 never it's never right to steal. Correct. But and I, I had that conversation and then just before I left to come into the studio today, I watched an hour of the cricket from a website in Russia. Uh-huh. Oh, big on cricket in the Russia, are they? They're huge on the cricket in the Russia. No, it was uh, an Indian telecast of the Australia, of Australia versus India. I watched that. 
Um, last night I watched through the whole lot on Blocker um, mm-hmm. an old episode of The Professionals. Oh, yes. Yeah. And some of the BBC celebration. Does this make this right? No, no, I feel bad doing this. But as our argument has always been on box cutters that uh, there is a need that is not being fulfilled by the providers we have. Correct. So, do, do you have do you have Foxtel? No, I don't, and I is, won't have is Foxtel. The, is the Indian uh, test being shown on on Foxtel, Foxtel only? Right. Why won't you have Foxtel? Um, just there's just an agreement in our household that it won't ever happen. So you would rather break the law, break the law, than pay for something that you could get legally. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm actually worried about my. Uh, justification here because this week uh jason molina from Mm -hmm. ohio songs um he died he is a singer he was was a a folk singer Mm. and i've got four or five records of his and i really like them he died at my same age um couldn't afford his health insurance now so the system's so busted that 15 years ago when I was in the record company, he would have sold 2,000 records mm-hmm. um, in Australia. That would have been enough to cover his health insurance, just the Australian sales. Yep. So, at the moment, we talk about what we should be able to watch as viewers. You know, I should be able to watch today's AFL game because it's only on Foxtel, but it should be on free to air. But it's my right, I think, because I'm an AFL member, to steal it from Russia. Mm-hmm. But we don't often talk about how can we give our artists and shows the money that they deserve. The argument's always on our rights as viewers. Yep. So, um, I I think I might have to get off this habit. I have a habit, everybody. And a lot of our viewers have the habit too. Our, Our listeners have the habit too. And a lot of the comments and a lot of what we do is watching things through devious means and we, we we work out all different ways of justifying it and that sort of thing channel 10 is shit house channel 9 they don't know what they're going to do but maybe we should be thinking more about the going art- the other way the the artists and supporting the artists and how can we support the artists how can we do that so if downton abbey's on i like downton abbey this is my first act is when downton abbey is on channel 7 I won't watch it, but I'm going to tell everyone in my family that they should watch it. It's mm-hmm. on TV. Maybe we should all just do our little things just to help things along. I don't know. Did I answer the question in that in a roundabout way? I, I think I think you I, I think you did. I think we covered off that it is it, it is in fact illegal to do that. The justification for doing it is limited when we actually have a legal but. Uh, but charged way to do it in in Australia, and that uh, we should support uh, our local industry with our dollars rather than just with our words and whinging. Yeah, because, you know, it costs... I don't know how much it costs. It's almost a billion to get the AFL right. Mm -hmm. They made a big gamble here. We have to give them something for that gamble. Yeah. Because... Look, I don't watch football on TV. That's the thing, because I go to every game. But we have to give a bit back. 
Yeah, we can't all live across the road from a football stadium. No, that's no accident. Cherry, 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 cherry. On top. Brenna Courtney Glazebrook. Yeah, that's me. Oh, it's just such a shame that we won't be using that intro much more. Um, Hang on a second. Brett wants a chocolate. Josh very kindly bought Easter eggs in for us listeners. So he is a sweet guy. Figuratively and literally. Um, she looked at me earlier. It was weird. <laughs> I was just following up with some of the following. Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream, and he also wrote The Faculty. Remember that? Oh, I love The Faculty. Yeah, I love I, The Faculty I really, as well. And uh, directed by, uh, by Rodriguez and written by Kevin Williamson. Uh, and then Kevin Williamson went, uh, wrote and directed uh, Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Which uh, was less great. Oh, it's terrible. And that lead guy, terrible. his name was Barry in real life. Nobody should be called Barry anymore. Mm. And um, mm. and you also did I know what you did last summer, which was less great. But the faculty was awesome. And Vampire Diaries, which is kind of cool, I guess, if you're into that kind of thing. Which I am. So, yeah, it is cool. <laughs> um, and then you were saying that, you know, you, you were very much relating the following to 24. And there was actually a little bit. Um, Kevin Williamson pitched the following to Fox because it was home of his all-time favourite show, which is 24. And he actually compares Hardy, which is um, Kevin Bacon's character, with Jack Bauer. He told interview, um, interviewer, an, an interviewer, um, sometimes I lay awake at night. That's obviously yes, what it sounds like. Ke- Kevin Williamson yeah. voice, yeah, yeah. Good. Sometimes I lay awake at night and cry for Jack Bauer. Clearly there's some of Jack and Ryan. Ryan will die saving the moment. He carries the weight of every victim on his shoulders. So there you go. You're not – you're spot on, Josh. The whole Jack Bauer Association. Great, great. It doesn't make me feel any better about the show, though. Right? Well, it's interesting. I because you, neither any of you mentioned Dexter while you were talking about that show, and I was like, say the D word, and then no one did. I was thinking about it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I almost mentioned oh, it. Yeah, no, no, I meant to do that. Yeah. I meant to do that, but I don't know or like the show, so I couldn't talk about it. But it was there. Yeah, it was hovering. I loved Dexter, and. I'd really like to actually watch the following now that you guys have all spoken so much about it. But and 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 Dexter did make kind of this whole serial killing thing sexy. Like Dexter is an attractive guy, and he was sort of broken man. All these women probably thinking, oh, he just needs the love of a good woman to stop him from doing that. So it was like I guess there is still, and that lasted. That's lasted for six seasons. In fact. It's going to go into its seventh season, which will be its final, because they've come to the end of the line story-wise. But they've managed... They just went from strength to strength, the writers of Dexter. The first series is pretty good. The second was pretty great. And then the third, fourth, and fifth in particular was absolutely amazing. So um, I guess there is kind of still a place in television for, you know, the serial killer program, but... Um, I guess the difference between Dexter and something between the following is that the viewer is empathetic for Dexter because we see his background and we see these horrendous things that have happened to him and also he's only killing people who are bad. He's not killing innocent women. He's not, you know, taking the guts out of innocent women. Like which is- in fact, Robin Hood or Chopper. Dexter would, to- <laughs> Dexter would totally kill these people. Yeah, doc- yeah Dexter would kill the, the, the serial killer. Um, so it was... So yeah, it's interesting how how you know the they manip the television writers manipulate us to get us on side with someone who's essentially doing evil. So those are my thoughts. I just wanted to quickly leave you with um because you know obviously that's the, the cult of Edgar Allan Poe 
And I, I tried to, I thought that's a bit of a stupid cult. Uh, and I found some cults which are equally stupid. And if they're listening, please don't find me and destroy me. Um, there's the, there's a cult called the Church of All Worlds. Um, and they are founded by a leader called Oberon Zell Ravenheart. So brrr, there's, <laughs> there's your warning. There's all your alarm bells to start with. Um, it's a many of the precepts of the group come from a science fiction novel by Robert Heinlein. Some of the group's biggest accomplishments include screwing with horns of baby goats to make unicorns and starting a wizard's guild. So, <laughs> and then we've got the Breatharians. Um, Breatharians believe it is not necessarily not necessary for humans to consume food or drink and that our bodies can run on oxygen alone. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, that's fraught. Yeah. Um, there's have actually... you seen their cooking show? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit dull. Neither have they. Um, there was actually an Australian woman who was a big advocate um, guru in the Breatharians who went by the title Jasmuheen, and she let three of her followers starve to death while she snuck meals on the side. Uh, it's bloody the Aussie way. And then there's the Remnant Fellowship, um, and they... Uh, they have a leader in diet, diet guru Gwen Shamblin, and Shamblin preached that God hates fat people, and if you're chubby, uh, St. Peter is going to turn you away from the pearly gates, no matter how good a person you are. So Even after you've shed all those kilos of yeah, body. Yeah, exactly. So I reckon that remnant, the Remnant Fellowship and the Breatharians should team up. Yeah, I was thinking Have that some too. kind of super cult. Yeah, that'll work. Where everyone just gets really thin and then dies. Super cult. <laughs> That's a show I'd watch. So Thanks. let's start a cult of box cutters. All yeah. right. <laughs> and uh, and we could just, uh, you know, all just remember the time that uh, Brenna Courtney Glazebrook was part of box cutters. Oh. How wonderful that was. I'll it's all downhill. In. Everyone, so. everyone, cheers. Let's have a glass of Kool-Aid. <laughs> hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. So uh, I'm going to link to Silent Killer, the James Elroy uh, novel. I'm going to link to the video of the Big Reunion show uh, and also the article, Glenn. That, yeah, uh, by that... Ben Butler. Oh. Yeah, he look, wrote look. this fabulous thing. Yeah. Great. Uh, and uh, and that's all going to be available on the Box Cutters blog. If you go to boxcutters.net slash episode 334, that's where you'll find the show notes for this episode. Uh, for those that haven't been paying attention this week, Game of Thrones is back. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Josh, wake up. Oh, sorry, sorry, what, I, just, I had a nightmare that... Uh, Motherfucking oh, that was the nightmare that I had. How did you know? <laughs> wow, I, I just you know I was I was I've, I've been watching a bit more of House of Cards recently, and just thinking how much better it is than Game of Thrones, even though they're very similar stories, Be, because they're they're all about manipulation and power struggles. Uh, but House of Cards manages to do it in a way that is not shit. Does it, Josh? <laughs> Does it? Yeah, largely. Yeah, yeah. I like it's not. You know, I'm not. I'm not going all hard boner over it like Glenn did. But 
I, I think it's I think it's enjoyable and, and watchable and some some really nice storytelling despite uh, the fact that Joel Schumacher directed some episodes. You didn't tell me that, Glenn. <laughs> uh, look, actually, some of the direction in later on it gets it's ooh, it's not that's not. That's not up to standard. It's, it's, uh, for, those, a, for, for those who are interested in Joel Schumacher, there's a, a film that he made a few years ago with uh, Nicole Kidman and Nicolas Cage called Trespass. I highly recommend seeing it in a double with Paperboy. Paperboy. <laughs> um, as, a, as a starter, uh, over the last few weeks, I've done uh, Pillars of the Earth and World Without End. With the novels? Uh, You've been the, reading books? The, the books. Uh, TV miniseries based on the the books. Uh, what, what do you mean TV miniseries based on the so they they've made other George R R Martin miniseries. No, no, it's what? not it's not George R R Martin. It's oh. uh, Ken Oh, all those covers look alike. I see people reading them on the train. I just go, oh, it's another one of those books. Don Sutherland, uh, Rufus Sewell, uh, and uh, some other people in that in that first one. They're good. They're good. And and you know, kind of your eleven hundreds, thirteen hundreds England. Going I thought that was the, the page count. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters, episode 334. I want to say thanks very much to Brenna Connie Glazebrook for being a part of the team. So I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you guys too. Thanks. I'm sorry. It was so short and sweet. Wow. Well, we just got your intro together. I know. <laughs> it was mainly the oh, intro. Wasted effort. Chuck it out now, Brett. Let's <laughs> chuck it out. Chuck it in the bin. No use to us. To get now. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm Glenn. Football is back, everybody. Peters. I'm Brenna Corny Glazebrook. And I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time. Same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by Josh Canal with Brett Cropley and John Richards and help from Courtney Hocking and Dave Lawson. John Richards edited this episode. Peter Wilson from Soup Giant is the man behind making sure you can actually download stuff. He's good that way. We'd like to thank 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world, for letting us use their studios to record this podcast. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you listen to radio the old-fashioned way. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can show your appreciation by leaving a positive review on iTunes or maybe just telling some friends what they're missing out on. You can also donate actual cash money to us by using the donate button at the top of our website. Donating helps keep the show alive and makes us smile. Our website is boxcutters.net and you can find all sorts of ways to contact us there. So, Brett, do you have any ideas who we're going to get to replace Brenna? Um, is Fifi Box available? No. Oh, how about... Uh... Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.